0: It's another Manly Monday, and this Manly Monday, we're talking how to stop getting stuck in the rescuer trap. Scout is with me on my lap, right? Scout, you are not a rescuer. You are a scout. Yeah, name and a calling. Um, This is building on the stuff we were talking about a few weeks ago about, you know, the fix me girl. And that was a little bumpy, but that's okay. We'll get into why. Why? uh at at the point where some people are saying to me privately i yeah i need to work on you know that pull the fix me girl has on me how do i do that um one guy said to me that he tends to get friend zoned by fix me girls and he thinks now maybe i dodged a bullet you know you did sir you did uh and here's why um We're going to look at something called the Cartman Drama Triangle today, which is not me. It's by Dr. Cartman back in the 1960s, which is the best way to really describe what the issue is here. So we're going to dive into that if you like this content help support this channel become a monthly patron patreon.com or buy a one-time a care session for someone who use but can't afford it coffee.com slash k uh or go fund me help us fund our men's groups those are finally getting started uh this friday saturday we're still nailing down the the date and time as uh as i record this but this is all done through the discord so if you want to join our discord either join us on twitch or gets get one of our ambassadors to send you an invite to the discord or uh become a patron uh donate a Oleana care session something with a credit card number so we can verify you're a real person we don't need to know your real name that's why we're doing the the coffee the all that stuff because we can affirm you are a real person without compromising anonymity because i know that's important Um, so we are going to look at the Carpman drama triangle. Again, this is something that's been around from the 1960s. You will notice the rescuer is part of the drama triangle and the victim or the fix me, the fix me girl, the fix me guy is there. And then you got the persecutor completing the triangle. Now rescuer it's like oh no but this is good i wanna i wanna save people i wanna help people yeah okay this is why you gotta beware with that because in being a rescuer rescuing somebody can make you seem like a pillar of the community but it's a lousy basis for a relationship because there has to be a victim to rescue and in order for there to be a victim, there has to be a persecutor. And you get rid of one persecutor. If somebody's in victim mode, you're gonna become the persecutor. You're gonna stop being the rescuer and start being the persecutor because the victim, somebody in victim mode, fix me mode, you have to save me for myself mode, doesn't value themselves. And so they defer to other people, they let other people make their choices for them which makes them extremely manipulative it does it really does it is manipulative because when someone's got a raging case of poor me syndrome nothing's ever their fault they're helpless they're needy they're always complaining about someone and if there's no one left to complain about but you Guess who they're complaining about? Yep, that's when the rescuer becomes the persecutor in their mind because the victim always blames others. Now, a lot of people, obviously, you know, the rescuer seems like the most benevolent person in this cycle. And that's true. It doesn't mean you're not contributing to this cycle of drama, to this cycle of codependency. But, you know, there are reasons, and we're gonna tap into those reasons when we look at the persecutor, because the persecutor probably describes one or both parents of the rescuer. A lot of people I know who have rescuer personalities who tend to be very, very attracted to victims, to fix me people, had an angry, aggressive, judgmental, bullying, demanding, and spiteful parent. A parent that didn't value other people's views and didn't respect the integrity of other people. And so the rescuer well-meaning says, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be the exact opposite of that because they don't wanna be the persecutor, they don't wanna be the victim, but they been, haven't been have been given the template for healthy relationships, so they become the rescuer. The problem with the rescuer is if you're a rescuer, if you need to rescue people to feel manly, this is Manly Monday, you don't value other people's capacity to help themselves. There's a difference between helping someone through a bad time and having this need to rescue other people because of what it says about you. It appears self-sacrificing, but it's actually a selfish urge. Nothing wrong with selfish urges as long as you just are careful about it. There's a typo in this slide. I didn't make this slide. This came from the Listening Partnership. Um, if you're overly helpful, if you're, they say facilitative, but enabling, um. There's a a real fine line between meddling and and being helpful. The difference is, you know, did the person ask? And of course, the victim doesn't actually ask. They, nobody, nobody helps me. No one is ever around. No one's listening when you're right fucking there, right? Big red flag. If you're sitting there listening to somebody, And they're saying, nobody listens, nobody cares. And you're right fucking there. That's a red flag, huge red flag. No, really, that's a big red flag. Uh, Because rescuers and victims end up getting into something called enmeshment, which is engulfing, where the rescuer starts wanting to predict the victim's needs instead of encouraging the victim to communicate their wants and needs. That's when we get into mind reading. That's when we get into unhealthy anticipation. And the thing is, if you get it right with a victim, you're the rescuer, you're, you're sacrificing, they need you. But if you get it wrong, if you don't anticipate needs for a victim, well, then you're bullying them. And then you were clearly doing it out of spite. You meant to, you mean persecutor person. See the problem here? That's why it's called the drama triangle. You don't want to be part of the drama triangle. So what do you do? And and this is something that is very, very central to my work. And I love working with the clients who have been in a lot of therapy, especially with therapists who saw themselves as rescuers. I've got some clients whose parents were those sorts of rescuers and those rescuers professionally go home and they're persecutors privately. They were those bad parents, those bad spouses who just are tyrants at home because when, when you are coaching someone, when you're counseling someone, it ultimately has to be them that takes the step. You can't do it for them. I have a phenomenally high success rate with the people I work with. I think because, um, uh, one, they're ready 2 they've already been through a lot of therapy, but every so often, you know, one, isn't ready. They are in that victim mode and they try to turn me into a persecutor and Nope, I, I don't have that power over them. It, the whole thing is you have to come at somebody as an equal. You don't see themselves as yourself as less than them. You don't see yourself as more than them. You know, I may happen to have experience in this regard, but does that make me a better person than the person I'm working with? I certainly hope not because, you know, I don't have the answers for another person. I can talk about methods, I can show you guys other methodologies that, you know, might click with something, might make sense to them but I am—I cannot rescue someone through Zoom calls. I can't, you know? There are things I can do, I can refer, I can put people in contact, but ultimately they have to do the work. And I know it's a warning sign when someone starts asking me what to do in a situation. And the answer is always, I can't tell you what to do I could tell you what I would do in the situation and why, but ultimately it's gotta be your decision, you know? But I also say, look, we're gonna try this methodology. If it doesn't work, we'll find something else. And that, that, we'll find something else. If something doesn't sound right to you, tell me. Don't ever do something that doesn't feel right because it's a tool is what tends to be different than those, you know, not great therapists who have been trained in one way and they're true believers in that one way and if it doesn't work, they don't listen to the client. They say, you're not using the tools. Oh my God. Take your tool. There's That's the point in therapy where a tool becomes a weapon and that's where that therapy-induced trauma comes in when they're trying to force someone because they, they believe so much in the method even the best psychological models for, for therapy, for CBT therapy, even the best ones only have a 55% success rate, which is why we have multiples because one framework will work for one person, not for another. And it's gotta be personalized because your therapist shouldn't be a persecutor. Your spouse shouldn't be, your friends shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel constantly judged but they also aren't your rescuers. And you're not their rescuers, right? If there's somebody who constantly needs you to make their decisions for them, they are not valuing themselves. And if you feed into that, you're not encouraging them to value themselves. And the alternative to the drama triangle, now this, I don't like showing this because i think that the bottom upper is precisely creating the hierarchy that we don't want but i do think the difference i wish this was side by side instead of above or below because but i do think the mirroring um is very useful to see the difference between a healthy collaboration, a healthy relationship versus, you know, the drama triangle. Ignore all the the woo-woo language, right? But instead of a persecutor, you want people who are gonna challenge you. There is a difference between somebody who's dominating you, blaming you, tearing you down, as opposed to somebody who's challenging you in a constructive way. The writers group I run ran into that, um, recently where there was a debate, whether somebody who had given one of the writers, a particular piece of advice was a persecutor or a challenger and it's unresolved, but I thought it was very healthy, even though it was a little rough on people because One of the things that the groups I run do, what the men's group does, is show the difference between bullying someone and challenging them, you know? Challenging is, look, listen to what people are telling you. You don't have to agree, but don't dismiss it. There might be something here. Getting people into that that framework of not being, you know, the victim, but not being the rescuer, the persecutor either because ultimately they have to do it. They have to make the choice. That's the purpose of a challenger versus a bully. And in mentorship, this is a big challenge because if you've got somebody you're mentoring who either starts in victimhood I I don't mentor people who seem to be in victimhood, but sometimes they slip into it. Um, I've had that happen. Suddenly they'll start just blaming everybody else for what's happening to them, instead of being in the paradigm of controlling what they can control and taking ownership for their own behavior, And the predictable consequences, not the unpredictable consequences, but the predictable consequences. And at that point, you can't mentor someone because mentorship requires challenging them. That's how they grow. Victims will never see you as a challenger. They will always see you as a persecutor. And you can't let them pull you down into their drama triangles. So for the rescuer, if you are a rescuer person, you're not great at challenging people, right? You see the up, uh, the coach, I don't like coach people. Don't, I mean, cause I think it's just because of the, the gym coach, which is often actually a persecutor, um, making nerds miserable, but also it's the whole life coach thing And a a lot of life coaches do foster dependency, but good coaches, you know, there are good coaches and bad coaches, but good coaches, instead of somebody looking to, to, you know, save you from yourself are like, okay, what can you, what can you control? Let's control what we can control. How are you gonna get out of this? And you know, I recently had to realize with a friend of mine um, that I was being a rescuer and not uh, a coach. And I was being unchallenging. And it actually came out because this person launched into a rescuer speech, launched into, I protect my friends, I protect my friends with my life. And I'm sitting here going, no, no, because... You know because I had been doing and I thought I was helping. I thought I was Giving them a hand up not a hand out and in that moment I realized I wasn't I Realized that I was not Allowing them to stand on their own Because I was constantly bailing them out and Then it all made sense that this person, you know, I'd watched them vacillate from a real real victim mentality where everything was everybody else's fault. Everybody had abandoned them. Everybody was ghosting them. Everything bad, nothing good. Cycling between that and periods of outright rage, yelling at waiters and uh, yelling at me and, you know, punctuating phrases with, do I make myself clear? And I was like, okay, this has to stop. I'm in a drama triangle. And so it didn't go well when I stepped out of rescuer mode. It was really hard. And once you're in rescuer mode, it is difficult to detach, and that's the problem with getting into it in the first place. We all find ourselves in it. I mean, I'm classic profile of somebody with a tendency to be a rescuer. I had a persecutor parent, a few persecutors in my young life, uh, but my my you know biological father was textbook persecutor, and so I'm like I never want to be that, and so I ended up you know trying to save people who couldn't be saved. And one person described it, I think it was last week, as the difference between, you know, somebody you're helping is you save somebody from drowning. They're like, okay, you save me, not doing that again. Whereas, you know, somebody who's just got a victim mentality will jump right back in the water expecting you to save them again. And that's when you have to step back. And unfortunately, the relationship may end when you take that step because the person isn't ready to stand on their own. And if you're not willing to be part of the the drama triangle, they may not want you around because they're not looking for somebody to challenge them. They're not looking for somebody to coach them. They don't actually want better. They want someone to save them. And you can't. And that's what it comes down to. You can't save someone from their own life and their own choices. And as long as someone is in victimhood, as long as they feel powerless, as long as they're blaming everybody else, they will never be. And I I don't, I don't like this language, but I, I prefer it to be, you know, victim hero, not creator because creator makes it sound like output. It's more the idea of taking responsibility, real responsibility, really being accountable instead of beating yourself up. Beating yourself up is why did I bother? It never works out. That's victim mentality. Being the hero of your own story, as I put it, is the Spider Man thing, right? With great power comes great responsibility. I said to one client last week because he was, you know, talking about the some bad reactions he got from people that he didn't understand, and I said, uh, "Well, you're a strong person, so a whisper from you is the same as when weak men yell." And the phrase so shocked him that he, I didn't get the typical, yeah, right. Look, you know, or the, is this a cod look? It was just kind of like, all right. I mean, he's a really good writer. So he was like, okay, good line. It was like, I was, it was such a weird moment that I got past the defenses, which was awesome. But it's true, if you're torturing yourself you clearly have the power to persuade. You're giving yourself a narrative. You get to choose what that narrative is. And this is the thing I had to learn. And when I became a really big asshole, because that's what I was afraid of, right? I, I was afraid that because I had been convinced by the persecutors in my past that i had no intrinsic worth that i had to just be useful to people i had to produce i had it was all about outcomes if i wasn't constantly giving if i wasn't constantly proving my worth and proving my value through rescuing people then i was no good you know and Someone can always point to something you did wrong. Always, always, always. Doesn't matter how great you are. Somebody can point to one thing because if you're not trying, that's the only way you can't make mistakes. But the biggest mistake in your life is not trying because then you're just a victim. Then you're just a victim of circumstance. You're never going to improve. And the difference between a victim and a creator, as this model calls it, or a hero, as I call it, is Spider-Man knows with great power comes great responsibility. But Spider-Man sees his power. He's like, yeah, this is... I'm not a freak because I have spider powers. I'm a superhero. He has... Some would call it arrogance. Some would call it confidence to think he can make things better. And... He owns a power of choice. And I mean, Spider-Man stories are particularly poignant because of the number of times that he suffers loss. The the archetype Spider-Man stories are he saves the city but loses something personally. And often it's because, you know, he was kind of taking his eye off the ball or a loved one got caught in the crossfire because of some supervillain or something like that there is a great deal of responsibility on peter parker or miles miles morales's shoulders but they never lose the belief that they can do it sometimes they will fail and frankly the only difference between a superhero and a supervillain is that superheroes if they fuck up they don't do it again A supervillain goes, well, the hero made me. The world made me. You know, that security guard made me kill him because I was going to rob a bank and he was in my way. Well, he shouldn't have been there. You know, it's all about abdication of responsibility versus accepting responsibility. And a lot of heroes take on too much responsibility. And that's when you end up, you know, the classic moment in Spider-Man comics where he tries to you know, Peter Parker tries to save Gwen Stacy from falling, uses spider powers, and the sudden stop snaps her neck, kills her. Um, That's the risk you take when you are a rescuer. Now, in that case, you know, if someone is in a life or death situation, obviously, you get them help. The thing about dealing with people with mental illness is that It will be thankless. The number of times somebody has gotten hostile to me because I've reached out because they were talking about killing themselves. And one of the things they teach you in um, suicide prevention is never promise someone you will keep that a secret because it's better that they hate you and that they're alive then you kept their secret and they're not around anymore. You know, that's not a secret you can promise to keep. And that's very hard when you do something you know was challenging someone or truly being supportive instead of enabling And they're in such a victim mentality that they hate you for it. Sometimes I've done that for people and they've never spoken to me again. But I stand by what I did. It was consistent with best practices. Um, Sometimes the breaking point for somebody in victimhood is when, you know, you refuse to take abuse. That's the breaking point for me with a lot of people. It's like, nope. We're going to go through what you just said to me and why it's not okay. And that it's, you yelled at me. Taking no responsibility for the fact that they were yelling for a consistent period of time. And the yelling I did was, stop yelling at me. Raising my voice to be heard. That is not acceptable. That is a person you have to let go. And that is another thing why you have to break the cycle of being a rescuer because there's this really toxic dynamic in heteronormative relationships um, that does transfer over. Sometimes Um, there's somebody who runs away and the other person chases them. And that's seen as beautiful and romantic. And it can be. Sometimes, but if it's happening again and again and again and again, that's a problem. If it's expected, that's a problem. Cause at that point, the person who's constantly running away and making you chase them is not seeing you as a human with boundaries. They're seeing you as a role. They're seeing you as a bit player in their story well, and that's the weird thing about victimhood. There's a huge amount of ego tied up in all the drama roles, you know? There's a huge amount of ego in someone who thinks you can save someone from themselves. You you can't. You know, if someone is fighting a war with themselves, they're going to lose every time because the enemy's too strong. The obviously there's a ton of ego in the persecutor role, but there is a lot of ego. When someone goes, I'm worthless, I'm worthless. Nobody cares. Why won't someone help when someone's sitting right there listening to them? And that's the siren call with Fix Me Girls, right? No one cares. And and you're sitting there going, but I care. I just have to prove to them that I care. No, 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 no. They know you're right fucking there. They know that. They can see that. You're listening to them. They're denying reality when they claim that no one cares because you are caring enough to put up with their shit right then and there. And if you take that bait, they will not respect you. You know, if you enable them, they won't respect you. They may like it, but they won't respect you. And respect in a close relationship is absolutely essential. And that's what's not there in the Cartman drama triangle. Carp. Men with a P, not Cartman from South Park. But if you want to call it the Cartman drama triangle, it is, it's back by authority, right? That's Persecutor. All right, hope you found this useful as a way to stimulate thought. Help support this channel. Become a monthly patron, patreon.com slash K. Or buy a one-time Leanna Care session for someone who can use it but can't afford it, coffee.com slash Leanna K. Or GoFundMe. Help support our men's groups that are starting Later this week. Thanks for watching Manly Mondays.